If you will, if you're able, please stand together as we read God's Word. We're going to read Psalm chapter 5, our last psalm in our study through the first five psalms. Psalm chapter 5. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Heed the sound of my cry for help, my King and my God. For to you I pray. In the morning, O Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will order my prayer to you and eagerly watch. For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness. No evil dwells with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all who do iniquity. You destroy those who speak falsehood. The Lord abhors the man of bloodshed and deceit. But as for me, by your abundant loving kindness, I will enter your house. At your holy temple, I will bow in reverence for you. O Lord, lead me in your righteousness because of my foes. Make your way straight before me. There is nothing reliable in what they say. Their inward part is destruction itself. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter with their tongue. Hold them guilty, O God. By their own devices, let them fall. In the multitude of their transgressions, thrust them out, for they are rebellious. Against you. But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy, and may you shelter them, that those who love your name may exult in you. For it is you who blesses the righteous man, O Lord. You surround him with favor as with a shield. Thank you. You may be seated. You may have noticed that prayer comes up a lot when you study the Psalms. Even in these first five psalms, prayer has been a mega theme. It's been all throughout. I wanted to read you a few quotes that I find stirring about prayer. This comes from an early church father named Chrysostom. Prayer is the root, the fountain, the mother of a thousand blessings. A man named Wesley Duell said, Prayer is God's ordained way to bring his miracle power to bear in human need. E.M. Bounds said, Prayer is the greatest of all forces because it honors God and brings him into active aid. Prayer is very important. Prayer is communicating with God. Now, I know you know that, but do you know that? Prayer is communicating with God. Many of you are fans of Apple computers and other paraphernalia, iPods. Apple is a juggernaut of a, of a company. It's huge, and they've done very well for themselves. I think you would agree. Now, the man at the top of Apple is a man named Steve Jobs. Did you know that if you email Apple with complaints or suggestions or things of that nature, there's a chance that Steve Jobs will actually read your email and respond to you. He's that involved. Sometimes he will read, he'll browse the emails coming in. And if one of them is particularly interesting to him, he'll respond personally. Now, can you imagine if you are one of these Apple fans? You send in an email with some suggestion or some thought, and Steve Jobs himself emails you back. You'd probably print that email out and frame it and put it on the wall of your office. 
don't know if we even have any Mac fans in here. Are you a Mac fan? Raise your hand if you're into Macs. Oh, yeah, two people. Okay. <laughs> Three people. All right, maybe not the most relevant illustration, but you get the jest. Maybe it's someone different from you. Who is it in this world that if you could communicate directly with him or her, it would be huge for you? I had one of these moments at a conference we went to last year. I got to meet a man named John Piper. John Piper has written like 30, 40 books. He's huge. He's this towering figure in, in the theological world. And I got to shake his hand. And it was very, I haven't washed my hand in a, in a year. If you guys smell something, it's my hand sweat. If it would be such a big deal to communicate with Steve Jobs or John Piper or whoever it is for you, how much bigger of a deal is it that we can communicate directly with God? We just we forget how vitally important it is. While at the same time, we, we do remember in a sense, because usually you start feeling guilty when the sermon starts talking about prayer. Because the dreaded question inevitably comes, well, if you think prayer is so important, how often do you pray? How well do you pray? And then you just start to feel like dirt because none of us feels like we have prayer down. I don't think I've ever called for anyone, not just in this church, and had to leave a message and the person call me back and say, I'm sorry, I couldn't get to the phone, I was praying. We're not really a very prayerful people. As far as I can tell. Now, I might be wrong. I might be basing a lot of this on my own personal experience. I found a quote as I was preparing for this sermon from a man named Bishop Burnett. And he says, In the days of our fathers, when a person came early to the door of his neighbor, it was as common a thing for the servants to tell him with freedom, My master is at prayer, as it is now to say, My master is not up. Like there was a day when it would have been as common to go to someone's house early and they'd be praying as it is today for them not to even be out of bed yet. Prayer can be a really vital, important part of our lives. And I think we'd all agree that it should be. That it's more important even than our physical health, our, our personal hygiene, education, really important things. Prayer is more important and profound than all of those. Now, in... In an effort to be honest with you and humble so you guys can be honest and humble with each other, I have, I became a Christian when I was eight years old. I'll soon turn 28. If my arithmetic is correct, that will mean that I have been a Christian for roughly 20 years. Seems like a long time to me. Been a Christian for almost 20 years. In church, all of that time. I don't even know how many sermons that means that I've heard. But pretty much weekly. I have heard God's word taught. Now, more than that, I've been enabled to teach. Even when I was younger, I was allowed to teach the youth. So not only was I hearing sermons, I was teaching the Bible. I was allowed the enormous, ridiculous privilege of going to Bible college where I just studied the Bible. Who gets to do that? From there on into seminary where I made it halfway through a degree called a Master of Divinity, which means I was halfway toward mastering divinity. It's a ridiculous title for a degree. And then God, in His infinite 
grace and humor allowed me to be a pastor here. I've been here for about three years or so, counting my time as, as just the part-time youth minister. Now, all that to say, you might think that I have a good handle on prayer. But the reality is, in all honesty, I just don't still. I mean, I pray I'm, I'm stronger in it and better at it than I was when I was eight. I'm thankful to say. And maybe even than I was last year at this time. But when I look at how profoundly important it is and I look at my life, I want you to know that I'm with you. There's a major discrepancy there. And I have the feeling, maybe you have the same feeling, I wish I could just be a fly on the wall and hear how the really godly men and women pray. What do they say? What does it look like? Are their eyes closed or are they open? How do you really pray? Are they on their knees with their head bowed or are they on their feet with their hands raised toward the heavens? Do they speak it loud or do they just sort of think their prayers? Do they, do they journal it out? How do the really godly men and women pray? There's a man named C.J. Mahaney. He uh, was a pastor for many years. Some of you may have heard of him, maybe not. Uh, now he runs a ministry called Sovereign Grace Ministries. A lot of what he does is he speaks at conferences to pastors. Now, C.J. Mahaney has had a pretty big influence on my life. Uh, he wrote a book called The Cross-Centered Life that has really informed a lot of my understanding and sharpened my understanding of the gospel. really has set me free from a lot of legalism. He's really known for his humility, which is rare. I recall an interview with him after he gave a really stirring talk at a pastor's conference. And, and backstage, the interviewer asked him some question about pastoral ministry or the church. And he stood there and he thought for a second. And then he sort of started looking around at the other people around backstage at the conference. And he said, you really, you need to go ask this guy over here. He would be much better suited to answer your question. He said, I'm really, I'm just not, I'm not much of an expert in these things. So you, and he goes and gets another person to answer the question. He's genuinely, seemingly a, a humble person. So he's one of these guys that I think, man, if I could just hear what his prayer life was like. In another interview, an interviewer asked him basically that question. Walk us through what your devotional time looks like. Like, what do you do? What do you read? When do you do it? How do you do it? And I'm listening really closely at this point because I'm really curious. Because I'm still trying to figure this thing out myself. And you know what he said? He said, if you could see, if you could be a fly on the wall during my devotional time. And see how I study the Bible and see how I pray. You would not be impressed. You would not be impressed. And then he went on to talk about his struggles to even just get up in the morning to have time to pray and read his Bible. And how even if he could just get up in the morning, he had a constant battle with his flesh because all he wanted to do was check out ESPN.com to see what happened in the world of sports the night before. And he would talk himself into it saying, surely I, I need to wake up a little bit more before I try to do something as important as prayer. I'll just check the scores real quick. And next thing you know, it's been a half hour, 45 minutes. And he didn't 
Kids wake up. His chance for prayer is gone. So even C.J. Mahaney struggles. And I struggle, and I suspect that you struggle too. I think that most of us struggle to pray because we don't know how to pray, we don't know what to say, and we just don't feel like it today. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think many of you are probably like me, and we struggle to pray because we don't know how to pray, we don't know what to say, and we just don't feel like it today. Maybe we'll get it tomorrow. Well, this song, I ain't finally getting back around to the song, in case you're wondering, I think will help us in these three things. It will help us in these three things in an amazing five minutes. Oh, my gosh. Uh. <laughs> How did that happen? The amazing thing about this song, though, this isn't just a man's example of how to pray. This is the Holy Spirit giving us this gift of how to pray. So we'll study as much as we can here. Maybe I'll finish next week. So the first thing we want to know or I want to know is how. How does David pray? How does he pray? What does it look like? What does it sound like? Does it look and sound like what I do? Or is it different? Am I missing something? Let's reread these first three verses. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Heed the sound of my cry for help, my King and my God. For to you I pray. In the morning, O Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning I will order my prayer to you and eagerly watch. Four things I see in these three verses that I think will help us in how it looks for a godly man or woman to pray. What it sounds like. I think it sounds like speaking, thinking, crying, and composed words. Speaking, thinking, crying, and composed words. The speaking in verse 1, give ear to my words, O Lord. Words. Spurgeon said, words are not the essence, but the garments of prayer. We need words to communicate to God with our prayers. Verbal expressions of our desires and our fears and our thoughts to God. Prayer just sounds like speaking. It sounds like thinking. That word groaning may be better translated meditations. It's this inward, churning, thought Substance that David is sending up to God. That groaning might refer to the hmm sound that we make when we're really thinking. So it's desires and fears and thoughts that you, you can't yet or you haven't yet been able to put into words, but God is still aware. Just your thinking can be praying. Speaking, thinking, crying. In verse 2, heed the sound of my cry for help. Spurgeon said about crying, crying hath a voice, a soul-moving eloquence coming from our heart. It reaches God's heart. Crying comes from our heart and reaches God's heart. Crying is your communication to God when you just can't get even clear thoughts around it. It's just emotion. You just need help. It's the same way when my son Elias comes crying to me. I understand his wordless Noise in that minute. He needs help. Lip turn under, tears running down his cheeks, and just making that crying noise. And I know what he needs. And so does God. You may not be able to put what you're feeling into clear thoughts or words, but it's still prayer to cry out to God. 
speaking, thinking, crying, composed words. Here in verse 3. In the morning, O Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will order my prayer to you and eagerly watch. That word, I will order my prayer to you. It's like I will arrange my words to you. I will compose them like a composer arranges musical notes. I will order them like my army going into battle. I will organize this for you in the morning. It's like he's making an appointment. It's almost formal even, maybe written. All this crying, all this emotion and thinking and speaking he's been doing, he resolves I'm going to sit down and I'm going to get clear in my mind what I want to communicate to God. And I'm going to do it in the morning. In other words, there is a place for spontaneous, just from the heart, just emotional communication with God. There's another place for intentional, planned, careful, carefully worded communication with God. It's the difference between... Picture, picture a man who has lost his family to some terrible accident. Now you go to this man, you're his friend, and you go to him and he is just sobbing. And he just hugs you. And just sobs on your shoulder. He's communicating something to you. And it's something deep and profound and real. Though there are no words. Now picture this same man a few days later at the funeral. And he gets up. And he struggles through a poem that he wrote expressing his exact thoughts and feelings. He's communicating something deep and profound and real. In both instances, but in different ways. So in other words, there are a multitude of different ways to pray. Speaking words to God, just thinking, meditations to God. Just crying, just an emotion from your heart to God's heart. And carefully composing your thoughts to God. All of these are valid ways to pray. All of these you'll use from time to time. So if your prayer life is weak because you don't know how to pray, maybe something of those four ways to pray would be helpful for you. I'm just going to keep going a little bit longer and I'll finish this sermon next week. But just very quickly... For those of you who feel like you don't pray because you don't know what to say, I have one word for you. This will be my last bit here. One word for you. Meditation. Scary word for some of you, I know. If it scares you, just replace it with thinking. For those of you who don't pray because you don't know what to say, consider thinking. Meditation. Remember that in verse 1 where he says, consider my groaning. It's probably better translated, consider my meditation. And then as you read his prayer, a lot of it is just his thoughts intermingled with requests. It's not just, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. A lot of it is his meditation, thoughts about God, thoughts about his situation. Spurgeon said, we should be careful to keep the stream of meditation always running. For this is the water to draw the mill of prayer. Meditation is like the stream that turns the mill wheel of prayer. What I'm saying is some of us don't have anything to say because we're not thinking. 
We don't have anything to say to God because we haven't been thinking about God or, or really anything. We were too busy. I just read a science, an article in Science Magazine where they did this extensive study on how our brains work when we multitask. I found the study to be a huge relief because it means that I'm not dumber than everybody else. I'm typical. But the study showed that humans really can only multitask two things at a time without everything falling apart and screwing everything up. And even then, we can't do two things at a time. We can only do one thing at a time. But your mind has two lobes and is capable of keeping track of two different things at a time. Now, we humans these days are trying to keep track of much more than just two things at a time. We're trying to drive while reading the newspaper and listening to the radio and talking on the cell phone and doing our nails and drinking our coffee and planning our morning all at the same time. And we think it's going to work. And it doesn't. Now I have a theory. I have a theory here. It may be totally wrong, so just take it for what it's worth. You know, the Bible says we're to be praying always, and we always think, pray always. How in the world am I supposed to do that? But if you keep in mind that prayer could just be the meditations that you're, you're thinking, perhaps we were always meant and designed to be doing one thing at a time and thinking and praying to God. And those are our two things that we're supposed to be doing. Maybe that's why he designed us, to only be able to really keep track of two things at once. So that maybe when we're driving, we should just be driving and thinking, meditating about God, his word, and praying. Rather than driving and messing with our iPod and talking on the cell phone, maybe we just need to drop some of our multitasking so we can pray and we can think. John Piper said... <laughs> Oddly enough, on Twitter, he said, one of the great uses of Twitter and Facebook will be to prove that prayerlessness was not from lack of time. That cuts to the heart, doesn't it? One of the great uses of Twitter and Facebook will be to prove that prayerlessness was not due to lack of time. Now substitute in there whatever your thing might be. It might not be Twitter or Facebook. But I don't believe that our prayerlessness is due to lack of time. Scripture says that we're supposed to think about the things above. We're supposed to meditate on Scripture and the things above. What are you thinking about when you are thinking? I'm willing to bet that for many of us, we're not thinking about God, what's true about God, what's glorious about God, or Scripture or the things above. I bet we're just thinking about what's right in front of us, what we're worried about, what we're fearful about. And so we go to God in prayer, and all we, we don't even, we haven't even think about God. We don't even know anything about God. What are we going to pray about if we've not been meditating and thinking? And just real fast here, this comes to bear in his prayer. It says he meditates, but then verse 4 and on, there's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 statements he makes that are just things he's been thinking about. God and his situation in relation to God. He says, God, I know you don't like evil. You hate evil. And I know these people are just unrepentantly evil. Therefore, I pray that you will be just toward those who hate you and merciful to those who seek refuge in you. His prayer is, is based off meditation about God. You see how the that works? I so want to preach this whole sermon right now, but I can't. If you're weak in prayer because you don't know what to say, 
Maybe stop trying to pray and start trying to think about God and His Word. And let that fuel your prayer. Let that be like arranging firewood in the fireplace. The Holy Spirit will come and it will ignite that wood into flames. And the smoke of prayer will come up. So many of us are trying to just create smoke, send smoke signals up without ever a fire, without any wood. One more John Piper quote. Have you ever wondered? I'll end with this. I read a book. It was by E.M. Bounds. It was called Power Through Prayer. And it talks about how in pastoral ministry and all of life, you will not experience the Holy Spirit's power unless you pray a lot as a way of life. And he told story after story of these men of God who would pray for hours. They would get up at four in the morning and pray until breakfast time and they would eat and then they would pray until lunchtime. And I'm like, what are they talking about for hours? And I've always struggled to think, how can you pray for that long? What are you talking about for so long? And John Piper has, I think, a useful quote for us. He says, in order to spend an hour in prayer asking God to do things in the world, you need an hour's worth of longings for the world. In order to spend an hour in prayer for God to do something, you need an hour's worth of longing for God to do something. When we just toss up these prayers, God, uh, provide for my family. I don't even know that he wants to hear that. I mean, it, it's like we're tossing garbage outside the window almost sometimes. Real prayer is the result of real thoughts about a real God. What we're going to talk about next week is, for those of you who just don't feel like it, we don't feel like it because we don't have any expectation for God to actually act. This is what I really wanted to get to this morning, but you'll all just have to come back next week. But in the meantime, maybe this is good. Maybe we can digest this part. For a week in our prayer lives, maybe it's because we're not thinking. So right now, I think it'd be fitting if I prayed for all of us. And then we'll sing our closing song. And I'm very excited about next week getting to the, the climax of this sermon here. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you that we can pray to you. That you're so gracious with us who live days and weeks and months and years of our lives without really thinking about you and communicating with you. I think of how Devastating that would be if my children were like that toward me. Lord, I just I praise you that you're gracious with us. And I pray with expectation based on the fact that I know you want us to be a praying people. I ask that you would make us a praying people. Help us to think, to meditate on your word and you. May the Holy Spirit ignite that meditation into life-giving, power-producing, God-glorifying prayer. It's in Jesus' name we pray this morning. Amen.